Monoland film fans, we're still here. We, of course, are the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Friday, April 3rd, 2020, also known as Day 23 Without Sports, Quarantine Day, who the hell knows what, I've lost track. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined today over the internet by an old friend, it's Mr. Evan Dean sitting in from sunny Florida, where he now resides. Evan, welcome back to the podcast. Are your fellow Floridians still being morons and refusing to stay home? <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, we uh, we earlier this week, like two days ago, got the official stay-at-home order. Um, you know, people are still out and about. People are still trying to go to beaches. Um, look, I love Florida. I love it. But... I firmly, firmly believe that I cannot be lumped in with some of these Floridians because as much as it's, you know, amazing and beautiful down here, some people here are just idiots, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? You can't, you can't watch over everyone, right? That's right. That's right. No, man, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's been a weird time, um, you know, you know, being quarantined like this, but you know, there's no better time than right now for us to to kind of get back and, and be able to do this. And, you know, technology is has done so much good for us during this, uh, you know, unusual quarantine time. And, and it's, you know, giving us the chance to do a pod again, man. It's great. Right. Yeah. It's good to have you back on the show. I'm glad I finally stopped being lazy and figured out how to do a remote <laughs> podcast like everyone else on the planet. Uh, Mike Nichols is obviously not here today. He's been feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, he told me to tell our listeners he's sad to be sick and missing the pod, uh, but he's thinking of everyone. Uh, and we'll hopefully be back on the pod soon. I mean, uh, I'd love to have an episode with all three of us, you know, sooner rather than later. Oh yeah, man. That'd be great. Um, you know, obviously moving has made it harder for me to be on regularly, but, uh, Mike has done a, an admirable job, um, and we talked about this actually over text. You know, you and I have a lot of similar interests and similar uh, film taste. And Mike, you know, in, in what I've listened to, he brings kind of a different twist and a different really kind of appeal. And uh, he's been great to have, man. It'd be real fun to get all of us on. For sure. And obviously we uh, wish him the best in, in feeling better. Don't think it's anything too serious. So uh, film Good. fans, don't get too nervous. Uh, but anyways, obviously some really scary Serious things going on in the world with the outbreak of uh, COVID-19. It's not a joking matter. People are dying. Um, I hope everyone's being smart, washing their hands, social distancing, checking in on family members and neighbors. Um, There really is only one way to get through this, and that's by doing it together as a human race. Um, So with that as a backdrop, it does seem a little silly to be talking about movies, Um, But you know what? Film and TV have always been a nice distraction from the troubles of the world. Uh, Unfortunately, theaters are closed and most of the major releases we were looking forward to this year have kind of been delayed. Um, But it's a it's been a minute since we've done a pod, you know, trying to figure out the best course of action moving forward um, without, you know, new movies to talk about. Um, So we figured this was a good opportunity to get Evan back. And um, there's still some things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to each be giving five films that make us smile, you know, feel good movies that you can pop in if you're feeling down, um, which is, you know, let's be, let's face it. Mental health is definitely uh, an issue and a concern uh, these days. Uh, But these movies are movies that um, 
never failed to make me laugh, raise yeah. my spirits, put me in a good mood. Um, and Evan has selected some as well. Following that, Evan and I uh, are going to go back and forth sort of rapid fire style um, and give some streaming suggestions, you know, Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, um, and HBO Go, which I should quickly mention, um, HBO just made more than 500 hours of programming available for free um, for a limited time. So that's pretty awesome. I know, you know, some of their older uh, flagship shows like The Sopranos and uh, The Wire are on there. Um, Barry is a really good show that I, Veep is a show a lot of people like. Um, so if you're, if you want to watch some HBO shows, they've been missing out on, um, don't know how long they're going to keep them available, but, um, it's a chance to get at some HBO. And I know Evan, you, you've, um, you know, missed, uh, getting at some of those HBO shows. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Westworld, as I've talked about on the pod before, the first season of Westworld, I think was one of the best first seasons or best standalone seasons ever. Um, and, and, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to see season number two or number three. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting a chance to, to see that. And I think, you know, it's, what's so interesting right now is kind of the shift in entertainment in general, right? Um, I got some numbers here that I found, and this was uh, staggering to me. Um, U.S. box office earnings, March 22nd through the 28th of 2019, last year, $204 million dollars. Uh, March 20th through the 26th of 2020 this year, $5,000. So, you know, the film industry, you know, obviously in terms of entertainment, which is minimal to, you know, public health, but it's being impacted uh, as much as anything. And, um, you know, now we're seeing this shift to, you know, just uh, hugely popular shows on, um, you know, Netflix. And it's kind of become a part of, you know, I mean, Netflix and streaming services are already a part of, you know, a uh, culture. But now it's like it's become you know, everything. I mean, you can't go on Facebook now without seeing somebody mention Tiger King. It's just it's interesting how we're we're adjusting in this strange time. Yeah, for sure. And and that's why we want to give some streaming suggestions a little bit later on the show, because obviously a lot of people are cooped up, stuck in quarantine, looking for some good stuff to yeah. watch. Uh, but that's coming up a little bit later. Um, before we get to the five films that we've each selected, please like our Facebook page. It's at the Second Day Film Podcast. We're on Twitter at Second Day Film, on Instagram at the Second Day Film Podcast. You can find our old episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and Evan, I don't know if you know, we're on Spotify. I think you might've missed that, but, uh, we'd yeah. love to interact. I'm putting some, still putting stuff up on the Facebook page, trying to find some, some funny stuff to put up. Um, I shared the HBO story I wrote during the day job. Um, so, you know, try, I'm looking for funny memes to sort of keep spirits up right now, but that's at the second day film podcast. We would love to hear from you. Please leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And if you could give us a rating or review on Facebook and, uh, sort of, uh, that sort of helps us in the algorithm as well. Um, yes, Evan, we have not stopped pimping since you left, so you know, we're still trying to, still trying <laughs> hey, to turn man. this into. A- <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, I, I haven't seen any. You know, I mean, obviously, this isn't going to happen in quarantine, but I need to see some more. You know, um, Facebook live videos about the best way to make popcorn and your best treats. You know, that's what I've been missing. <laughs> It's hard to make Facebook Live videos when uh, we can't even go to the theater right now, you know. I don't yeah. want to get fined. I'm like Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't get fined. There you, know, you go. That's me right now. Anyways, let's get into it. Lots to get to today. Um, me and Evan, as I said, both picked out five movies that make you smile, make you laugh, make you feel good. 
Um, we're just kind of going to go back and forth. Uh, we we have not consulted before this yeah. on our movies, so I'm excited to see what your list looks like. So what's what's the first movie um, that you want to tune people into to check it out if you're feeling down? Yeah, I'm going to start it off. Um, look, you already alluded to it. Uh, how much you know, you and I and millions, tens of millions of Americans and uh, are missing sports. Um, so I'm going to throw out a sports movie. Remember the Titans. Um, this is not just one of my favorite sports movies, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I've discussed this on the pod before, but I think right now there are you know kind of some themes in this film that we can relate to during this strange quarantine coronavirus situation. Um, things that we can kind of remember and think of at a time like this. You know, this this film um, you know touches so much on themes of unity. Um, of themes of coming together, the belief that everybody, when they're in it together, they'll make it out the other side better off because of it. Uh, obviously, remember the Titans is about race and football. It, totally, totally different situation. Um, but I think some of those themes really hold true, not just for the situation we're in now, but life in general. You know, um, you know, we're all in an unusual uh, situation right now, and and the more that people can support each other, the more that people can lift each other up, the more that people can make each other smile, hopefully this pod does that, then we're going to get out uh, on the other end of this all the better for it. And, and you know, it's just one of those movies that's uplifting and um, one of my favorites. And it also kind of fills that sports itch if you're needing to, you know, to, to scratch that itch right now. Right. Fantastic performance by Denzel Washington as Herman Boone. Yeah. Um, great soundtrack from the 70s with great, you know, you know, mo- or songs that will take you back for sure. A lot of CCR. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. CCR, The Hollies, Marvin yeah. Gaye, James Taylor, The Temptations, Cat Stevens. It's littered throughout. It's one of my favorite sports movies of all time. And for being a film that's sort of heavy, dealing with heavy topics like race, um, there's not a whole lot of depressing moments in the movie. It, it really is one that sort of gives you goosebumps um, in almost every scene. There's a lot of a make your hair stand up moments throughout the film, which um, yeah. Remember the Titans is an all timer when it comes to sports. That's yeah. for sure. I'm going back to 1974 for my first film. Um, it's a Mel Brooks joint uh, called young Frankenstein starring Gene Wilder. Uh, wow. I just, I love this movie so much. It is, it's a classic, a classic performance from Gene Wilder as um, Frederick Frankenstein, not Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Um, and it's, he doesn't want to be, I, I just love this movie. It's like got an old school, clean humor to it. It's very self-aware of all the old, the Mary Shelley classic Frankenstein story, the brightest Frankenstein um, all the old Universal Frankenstein movies. So the characters in the universe are like aware of those movies and those the existence of those um, titles. So it's it's just hilarious the comedy they're able to sort of the meta self-aware comedy they're able to bring onto that. Gene Wilder gives an all-time performance. Igor as his his uh, the hunchback <laughs> assistant. Um, just the comedy they're able to come up with through that. Um, and just the way the movie sort of develops, it, it works wonderfully. Um, they're, they're, when, you know, Gene Wilder is dancing with the Frankenstein monster to putting on the Ritz, like it, like, it's just, it's so ridiculous and outlandish. It's classic Mel Brooks comedy, but it's good, clean humor. 
And they don't really make movies like that anymore. And this movie's just really nostalgic. And I, I really think that it really just, it's a great spoof on the Frankenstein story, um, but that also respects the Frankenstein story. So Young Frankenstein never fails to put a smile on my face. Have you seen that movie? You know, I haven't. Obviously, I, I know about it and I'm aware of it. And, you know, 1974, that's, um, you know, you're going back. I mean, that's 45 years. You know, I think... Um, I I think that, you know, when you go back and you are able to appreciate a movie like that, I, I mean, you think about, you know, parodies and spoofs and you didn't see them, you know, not like you do now. So back then, I would imagine it was uh, kind of rare in terms of the, the, the style and the achievement there. Yeah, well, it helps when you have a legendary comedic director like Mel Brooks sure. and a iconic actor like Gene Wilder, you know. <laughs> so anyways, what's your number two? All right, so next up, um, I'm going to go to uh, 20 years ahead of that, 1994, uh, Forrest Gump. Um, obviously, you know about Forrest Gump. Um, Robert Zemeckis, the director. Uh, Tom Hanks plays Forrest Gump. Um, and, you know, I think that when I think of movies and I think of characters that we as a collective public root for and cheer for, I mean this, I don't know that there's a movie character who people have collectively cheered for or rooted for more or rooted for harder than Forrest Gump, right? I mean, you get to watch kind of how he, he grows up and in his journey and all of his achievements along the way. He's that perpetual underdog and, and it's hilarious. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks is, is fantastic. Um, you, you, Sam, and I have talked about um, how... Um, you know, just because a movie is quotable and quoted by, you know, in pop culture, like The Waterboy doesn't mean it's a good movie, like The Waterboy is not good. Well, Forrest Gump, it, you know, Forrest Gump has presented us with so many fun quotes over the years that make you smile every time you hear them, um, you know, that, you know, it's one of those, but yet it's also an amazing movie at the same time. Um, so, you know, whenever, whenever Forrest Gump is on TV and it's one of those movies that always makes its run on the, the cable networks, uh, you know, I always stop and tune in even, even if it's halfway through because it's just such a good movie and it's a good movie to, to lift us all up. Yeah. Well, and you can do that with Forrest Gump because it's so episodic in the way that it, the story is told sure. where, yeah. uh, you know, Tom Hanks's character is sort of unwittingly becoming involved with all the, um, you know, key events of the 20th century, he just finds yeah. himself with there. So you can kind of like tune in at different points of the movie and be like, oh, it's in the war part. Oh, it's when he's walking across America. Yeah. Oh, it's when he plays for the football pro. You know, it's like there's so many different parts of that movie that are all iconic in their own way. And of course, Tom Hanks just, you know, charms the pants off everyone sitting on that bench with his box of chocolates. <laughs> That's um, right. So, uh, yeah, Forrest Gump is, is an all timer for sure. My number two film was from 1993. We're delving back into sports again. Um, it's a movie called The Sandlot. People know The Sandlot. You know, it's a, it's a coming-of-age classic story with themes of friendship, teamwork, and they're set against baseball in the summer of 1962. You know, you get the classic, uh, the classic line, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. This yeah. is a movie that's nostalgic for me. Nostalgia is going to be a big, a big theme for me because, for me, I was fortunate enough to grow up um, somewhere where nostalgia means happy for me, um, you know. So, so growing up, I watched The Sandlot all the time. 
I just think it's a really wholesome, fun story that just sort of exudes American spirit when you combine baseball, suburbia, summer, the 4th of July, carnivals, and just just a movie about friendship and the love for baseball. You get the the classic, you know, voiceover of, of Scotty Smalls telling oh. his of the summer of 1962. And, you know, it, it just brings you back to your youth. And, you know, um, this is a, probably isn't a surprise for you since my fantasy baseball team, you know, is named after Benny the Jet Rodriguez, the Jet stole home. You know, the, uh, we're going to we're going to put a pinch runner on third base and then he steals home. The, the most strategic play in the history of the Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers. Um but you know the car, I just love the Sandlot. It's just it's just an awesome movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously I like the Sandlot too. I don't think anybody dislikes the movie. I think your broader point though is spot on, right? Nobody nobody wants to be in the situation that we're in right now, where we can't go to the theater, where we can't go and be with people, where we can't go and be around friends. Um, and and film and the theater and movies in general have always been a great escape. You know, with your whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with. That, you know, that's the, the beauty of movies and of feel-good films. And at a time like this, uh, you're right. You know, when you can tap into the, uh, that nostalgia and of, of, of maybe simpler times or maybe easier times or in the case of our current situation, less complicated times, uh, you know, you can transform yourself for 90 minutes. And that's really valuable. Yeah, well, do kids still go play baseball in the street? Do they still go do that? Because I feel like we're missing out on that these days. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a good. That's a great question. You know, I, I don't think we see certain things like that that we used to. I, I growing up, I lived, um, you know, a quarter of a mile down the road from a kid you know you played hockey with, and we would play street hockey every day. And I think that in some ways, you know, the technology we have now. Well, it's good and allows us to do this. I think with kids, I, I would be, um, you know, pretty confident in saying it. You know, they're not out doing those things as much as they used to. Right. Well, they can't right now. So sure, blah, blah, sure absolutely. Blah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, that's enough being depressive. Depressing. What's your uh, What's your number three movie? So this one's a little bit of um, I don't know. You might think it is an is an odd flick because it's pretty heavy throughout much of it. But there's pockets of um of really good moments. And this is a film. Garden State. Um, no, no, I didn't pick Garden State. This is also a film from 1994. The other best film. Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> no, no, I, I kind of steered clear of, you know, films surrounding, um, you know, drug use. Uh, but no, so oh, this, is, this is another a great film from 1994. Same year, The Shawshank Redemption. Um, and uh, obviously um, this movie you know, on its face, when people think of this movie, they might think of um, kind of a heavy movie, um, kind of a, I don't know, a darker movie, but there's really uh, some great themes um, and some, some great pockets and good moments. Um, you know, think about the themes of this film and where we're at right now. I mean, seriously, think about it. Confinement. We all feel that. Making the best of a bad situation. That's what, you know, Andy, our main character, he's trying to do during this entire uh, you know, his entire imprisonment in jail. Um, and ultimately the, the theme of this whole movie, aside from, you know, redemption for some of the other characters is hope, you know, hope that you're going to make it through on, to the other side. Um, you know, it might, for us, it might not be, you know, chiseling our way through a concrete wall, but it's making it through to the other side of this strange, weird situation. And obviously I'm not trying to compare jail to the coronavirus, but you can, you can see the parallels here. And, um, you know, 
there are different moments throughout this film, whether it's, you know, the music being played to all the prisoners or um, the ending where, uh, you know, Andy and, and Red meet on the beach. There are some moments that really make you smile. And I think despite some of those heavier themes, ultimately this is a feel good flick and it's such a well done flick as well. Yeah. I mean, the Shawshank Redemption is one of the best movies ever, ever made. I mean, IMDb, you know, a, a site we both use to rate movies, um, the Shawshank Redemption is the number one rated movie yeah. ever. It's got a 9.2 out of 10 cumulative score. It's the number one movie on IMDb's top uh, 250. Over 2 million votes cast and 9.3 is the aggregate score. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that tells you how much people love Shawshank Redemption. Um, it's one of the best movies of all time. I don't really know that many. If somebody says Shawshank Redemption is a bad movie, um, <laughs> then I automatically discount them. I discount their opinion. Like That's like saying Michael <laughs> yeah. Jordan's bad at basketball. Yeah. 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 And again, I mean, it's, it's really simple themes of, 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 of not being fearful and of having hope. And that's something that we can use in our day-to-day life. And it's something that we can use right now. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a pattern that you're, you're, you're really setting these movies towards movies that can sort of, uh, you know, they're really timely. Your selections are very timely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think that's relatable to the situations that we're in and, and, um, you know, on one hand, you could do the, you know, like the Sandlot was a total escape kind of idea. I get that. And in this case, it's, hey, look at look at these situations, look at the parallels, look at the themes. And I think both are encouraging, feel good, you know, make you smile kind of ideas here. Okay, for my third one, um, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box. I, I was, you know, I think it's a movie that maybe not that many people have seen, and it's called Secondhand Lions from 2003. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, Haley Joel Osment of uh, Sixth Sense fame um, before he sort of fell off the map. But uh, he plays an introverted young uh, boy who's sent to live with his eccentric great uncles on a farm in Texas. His uncles are played by legendary actors Robert Duvall and Michael Caine. Um, and, and and this is a movie that um, I was exposed to pretty early after it came out. and I, And it really just... It got mixed reviews. A lot of people thought it was schmaltzy, too over the top, and it does have that. Um, it's a little bit, you know, melodramatic, I will agree. Um, but this movie was awesome to me because when he when he goes there, and I'm not an introverted person, but when he goes there and he, he hears, um, the movie has sort of like these uh, interludes throughout it where one of his uncles, Michael Caine, will sort of tell story, fascinating stories about the life of Robert Duvall and it's like, he's out in India and he's like with a sheik and um, you know, he has like a pet tiger and a lion and he lived like this extravagant life. And we, so we sort of see his life unfold in flashbacks while we're told the story that is currently taking place on the farm with this kid learning to come out of his shell through these uncles. And I just think the combination of the flashback scenes and the message that, um, you know, it's not that important if the story is actually true. It's important to actually just believe in something and the importance of believing in something, even if it's not real, being able to trust that something, if it teaches you a good message is real, then it's okay to believe in it. And there's good performances in this. And it's just one of those movies again, that sort of captivate me. I mean, it it really just feels like a, 
a fun, good family flick. Um, so hmm. I really liked it. Uh, Secondhand Lions. Have you have you seen this movie? No, actually, I haven't. Um, you know, I haven't seen it, and um, obviously, I, I've I've heard of it. I know about it. Um, I appreciate that you're you're coming up with some movies that maybe are a little bit more obscure. I know mine have been, you know, some of the most revered films of all time. <laughs> but you yeah, know, I was trying to go a little bit outside the box. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not hard to tell someone to watch. You know. No, I know, but I, I feel like for me, if I'm really gonna, if I'm gonna pick a feel good, I I tend to revert back to the tried and trues. But I'm glad you're 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 suggesting some of these. These are giving me ideas um, to go with. But no, I haven't seen it. You know, obviously Haley Joe Osment. You know, it was such a strange career. You know, he was one of those those kids like um, uh, like uh, Macaulay Culkin, who was you know, it was so good and such a success, and he kind of fell off the map. But I'm sure if based off his other work from when he was younger. I'm sure, you know, um, it's he's great in this film as well. Yeah, he's okay. I mean, it's really Michael Caine and Robert Duvall that, that carry the movie, um, if I'm being honest. But it's just a fun movie to watch. Yeah. It's, it's unique. It's an original story. Um, and I think people will get something out of it. So okay. what's, your num- what's your next one? Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, so this one, I, I decided to go with at least one Pixar film um, just because uh, there's some that just never fail me. And I decided to go with Up, um, 2009 film. Uh, obviously, you and I. That movie makes me yeah. cry every time I watch it. Hold, hold the phone. Hold the phone. So Up, um, after the tearjerker of an opening sequence. Oh. Right. I mean, look, the, the opening... you have the DVD features. Just skip the first scene if you want to feel good. Oh, you know, yeah. But 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 listen, though, listen, though, I think that there there is something to be said for a film that takes you through um, something hard. Oh, look at all the films that I've listed already. Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump and, and, and Remember the Titans. Really, really, really good. Feel good flicks with the payoff of feeling good when, when you're watching it you know, throughout the, you know, the, the middle of the film or the end of the film, they take you through something hard early on. That, well, yeah, makes because the feel, make, that, that pays it off to feel good. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to make the audience care about the characters in order to make them feel for the characters. And thus sometimes you have to put them through, you know, exactly. A, a exactly. exactly. So, so I think ultimately, um, you know, I, I wasn't steering clear of anything, any movie that was going to, bother people in any way I you know I picked movies where you know the characters like in up might have gone through hard situations um but I mean think about it really though I, I mean after after that opening sequence which again does make you care and it makes you understand wh- why what's happening in the film's happening this movie's so much fun it's I mean come on you've got everything to make you laugh and smile you've got the classic grumpy old man you've got the the reckless little kid you've got the clumsy golden retriever you know, the relationship between all of these characters, I think really make, made me smile. And when I thought back to, you know, all of the, um, you know, Disney Pixar films, um, you know, this one for me stands out. And, and again, I, I, you know, I know the beginning is, is sad, but I think that, um, through, you know, getting through that and getting to the payoff, it, it, it makes it all the better for it. it. It makes me feel good. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the end, I mean, what Carl Fredrickson, the main character, realizes, and spoilers for up, but it's been out for a while. What he, what he realizes is that he already went on his adventure with his wife, and that's what's yeah. 
that's what we see in the first 10 minutes of the movie. So ultimately it does end up being sort of a happy story. So um, yeah, whatever. I'll allow it <laughs> from 2003. No, no, I love up. I love it. I just don't know if it would come to the top of my mind for feel good just because it does start you off on such a low level and then it takes you up. Whoa, look at that. See, uh, there you go. Metaphors <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure you have like thousands of balloons handy. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, would you would you not right now like to just tie some balloons to your house and lift off into the sky? Come on, we can all relate. I mean, I have a Doug hanging out with me right now, so I'm down. Exactly. <laughs> um, my next movie is also from 2003, and it's called School of Rock. Uh, this is a movie that stars Jack Black. Um, he, uh, I mean, most people have seen it. You know, he's kind of like a slacker who becomes, uh, poses as a substitute teacher uh, at an uptight elementary private school and turns them into a rock band. This is a movie that, like, I didn't I didn't love when I first watched it. Um, but upon sub- subsequent viewings, it really, really grew on me. I think it's arguably Jack Black's best performance um, because he's just... He has so much energy in the movie. He really, I mean, he obviously <laughs> is the musician in himself. Um, so it's yeah. not a hard role for him to play. But, <coughs> excuse me, coronavirus. Um, the way that he just inspires these, like, kids who are clearly lacking confidence, who are put, a lot of pressures put on them by their parents. And the way he sort of draws out their personalities through music, I think is awesome. It's awesome to watch. It's, it's. I think every teacher should watch this movie because, it's about accepting the student for the way they are and sort of finding the way to bring out their creativity. And that's, that's something that every teacher could use. And it's just a good movie. The music is awesome. The performances by the kids playing the music at the end is, is pretty cool. They, you know, it basically turns into a musical in the la- in the last 30 minutes. Um, it's just a movie that's really grown on me. You get a lot of great side performances by like Joan Cusack as the, the principal and, Sarah Silverman and um, I forget the other the other guy who plays his roommate, but um, it's just a fun fun movie, and uh, it always makes me happy. And, and who doesn't like music? So um, it's a as Rotten Tomatoes said, it's a hilarious, rocking good time. So School of Rock, yeah, I think is a good movie that people should check out if they haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, School of Rock is one of those. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those perfect for this list feel good films um jack black you know he's he kind of plays a you know like a lovable idiot in all of his movies that's like he's kind of pigeonholed himself into the lovable more, idiot role yeah, he has more um, heart in this one though he's more of like i agree a, no i agree you know what i was gonna add was that this is him playing that role perhaps better than he's ever played that role before um and you know, yeah, this is a good movie. This is a good movie, and um, and, and no qualms with it. You know, because it is it is all about feeling good and being happy, and um, it makes me smile. Yeah, for sure. What's your last one? Well, um, you kind of stole my thunder there because uh, you know I, I was thinking, um, you know, it wouldn't really make sense to have a list without something <laughs> that is music. You know, some film that's music based. This is a shout out to my wife. It's one of her favorite films ever. Uh, the Greatest Showman. Um, 2017, just a couple years ago, obviously. 
Um, this one was kind of mixed reviews um, from the critics. Obviously, it's about, uh, you know, it's a musical about P.T. Barnum and his traveling circus and how it evolves. And Hugh Jackman is the lead. Um, but man, I, I just, this movie, um, and I think also the value of music, uh, it, it really is one of those movies that's uplifting. Um, obviously, there's a there are a number of good themes littered throughout this movie. I think that probably the overriding theme is, you know, it, you might feel like an outsider or an outcast, but you're not alone. There are people who understand you, people who can relate to you, people who will uh, support you. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, I think music makes me happy, right? I mean, we can't go to concerts right now. You can't go to plays. You can't go to the theater. Um, but music and dancing and having fun, that's something we're so used to. And being able to feel those emotions um, and being able to feel that through a film, uh, you know, feels good. Um, and I, I just really liked this movie. I liked it, I think, more than the general critic did. Um, I think if you really embrace the music behind it and the, the um, you know, the different scenes surrounding each of the songs, all original songs, uh, I just think it's, it's a lot of fun and um, definitely a feel-good flick for me. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you could put any number of musicals on this list. I thought about sure. um, I thought about La La Land to put on this list because that's kind of a fun, colorful movie. But I didn't put that. But th- this is, yeah, I mean, this. I the thing I liked, I liked the music. Most of it was pretty good. I really just enjoyed watching the set pieces and the production design of this movie. It really yeah. did a good job capturing, um, you know, that, that early circus period and each of the musical numbers um, are, are so well choreographed and thought out and well-written. Um, I definitely liked this movie. I didn't, you know, I don't think I liked it as much as you did because other than if you look past the music and, uh, you know, the set pieces and the production design, I think that the story and the script is a little bit shallow. I think that Zac Efron's character specifically is a little bit too one notey. Um, but, but it's, it's a good movie and it, and it definitely will make you feel good. And the soundtrack is fantastic. There's no denying that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I, and that that kind of goes back to my point of, you know, certain feel good movies you get out of, you know, really the the story and, you know, but other ones, they're just easy watchers. The Greatest Showman's an easy watcher. You're going to smile. You're going to enjoy it. It's not going to blow you away with any sort of performances, but the music's fun. And that's what, you know, feel good movies are all about sometimes. Mm-hmm. So my last film is uh, one that just came out last year in 2019, and it's sort of... Um... It's uh, it was like a sleeper hit from 2019 when it started uh, popping up on the uh, the film circuits, and it's called the Peanut Butter Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. uh, this is uh, a movie starring um, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Dakota Johnson is in this movie. Uh, Dakota Johnson from you know the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, movies, and there's also a uh, one of the main characters has Down syndrome. Um, and he's played by an actor by the name of Zach Gotsigan, who is, who is a real person with Down syndrome. Um, the plot summary on IMDb from this is Zach runs away from his care home to make his dream of becoming a wrestler come true. So this story, that is, that is what it's about. But the way that it unfolds, it feels, um, because it's like in the South, I think it's in the Carolinas, um, where Shia LaBeouf and this kid with Down syndrome are just sort of floating down the river and they're both on the run for different reasons. It feels like a modern day Mark Twain. It feels like Tom Sawyer in a weird way um, because it's sort of these outcasts who are 
um, you know, outcasts from society who form an unlikely family to sort of get to where they want to go. And this movie has a lot, has a lot to say about following, following your dreams, where you find inspiration, where you find motivation and unlikely people. Um, and, it, and it's just a good story about conflicted people finding the good in themselves and using that to help someone. And that, I don't know how more feel good it gets because this is a, than that, because this is a time when we all need to do help each other and if people need to be thinking about people out of themselves and they need to be looking at ways where they can help other people. And to just have a main character that has down syndrome is in itself revolutionary for Hollywood. Um, I don't think enough people have seen this movie um, because, and I wish more people would watch it. And that's why I put it on this list because it's classic American fiction that has resonance today. So the peanut butter mm -hmm. Falcon is a movie I would love for everyone to seek out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. You know, I haven't seen it, obviously. Um, I think you've talked about it with me uh, at some point before. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think what sometimes gets lost in, in you know, Shia LaBeouf and his entire journey is that he's really talented. Yeah. Um, and he's not, he's, he kind he's of, not uh, Louis Stevens anymore. No, no. Well, he, you know, he was Lewis Stevens and then he played, you know, the main character in Transformers and then he had a mental breakdown and he kind of went off the rails. But I've heard uh, that some of his performances um, in some of these kind of more indie or maybe limited release films or less well-known films have been really, really good. Not just this one. There's another one I can't think of uh, at the moment. Um, but a couple of movies that he has been amazing in. Um, and so it sounds like um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that he, he did, you know, a great job in this one as well. Yeah. I mean, he, his, his decisions lately have been, you know, really good because they're sort of under the radar movies, you know, yeah. funny boy is one maybe that you're thinking of where he came out. That was uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, he was in these movies called nymphomaniac, which, uh, is about a girl who's addicted to sex, but, um, so not something you want to watch with your family and not really feel good movies, but they were a good performance by Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Ever yeah. since he sort of blew up with like, uh, the, the Transformers movies and Eagle Eye and Disturbia, um, Indiana Jones, he's kind of faded into the background and he's making much more, um, intelligent choices with the roles he's taking. So, um, yeah. check out the peanut butter Falcon. So just to recap, uh, my five movies are, um, young Frankenstein, the Sandlot. Secondhand Lions, School of Rock, and the Peanut Butter Falcon. Evan, what were your five? Uh, remember the Titans, Forrest Gump, The Shawshank Redemption, Up, and The Greatest Show. So those are five movies that make us smile. Ten movies that can bring a smile to your face. Um, check them out if you're feeling down. Um, I think you'll enjoy them. All right, so moving on from uh, movies that we like to watch. Um, obviously, everyone's cooped up tight. You know, here in Michigan, we have a stay-at-home order. I think they just did that in Florida as well, finally, yep. three weeks later. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have that, too. So, obviously, people are stuck inside. They're looking for things to watch. Everyone's talking about fucking Tiger King right now. I refuse to watch that until it's, you know, faded into the distance. I hate watching trending bullshit that everyone's talking about all the time. It drives me crazy. I'm sure the whole thing's going to be spoiled. Have you watched that, Tiger King? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um I don't know, man. I, you know, I think that it's, it's going to be a flash in the pan kind of thing, right? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's going to be one of those things where everybody remembers it for those two weeks during that quarantine. And then it's probably going to be 
uh, done and over with. You know, I, I think that the the reason people are watching it, from what I've heard, is that it's just so outrageous. And I don't know yeah. that that'll have that much staying power. Not that that matters, but in terms of a quality show, I, don't, I haven't heard anybody say it's a quality show. I've just heard people say these people in it are batshit crazy. Right, yeah. It's that classic small town, uh, you know, small town, quirky, ridiculous crime. That's well, it's the same reason making a murderer. That's sure, what yeah. It's just that backcountry bullshit, basically. So <laughs> uh, I haven't watched it yet. Evan hasn't watched it yet, so we're not going to talk about Tiger King here. Part of it, I feel like, is just buffaloes following the herd, which I well, hate. Well, uh, yeah, and have you noticed Netflix is now doing a 1 through 10, their top trending shows or movies of the day? And that kind yeah. of fuels it. That kind of feeds into it. No, no surprise, uh, the movie called Outbreak from like 94 has like been the number two or three trending movie for like three weeks, you know? And I think, you know, having that running list, it, it, it's it's um, it only puts those shows to the top of people's watch lists because it just fuels the fire. You could see kind of the, the, the circle that continues to spin. Yeah. Well, you won't see any of those trending things on my list. I like to uh, sort of expose people to stuff off the side. I always tell my wife, I like to be a lion, not a gazelle uh, when it comes to, <laughs> to uh, basically anything. So uh, these are streaming suggestions. Um, you know, Netflix, Prime, Disney yeah. Plus, HBO Go, all available for consideration in my book. Um, so I'll start it off. Everyone told me to start it off. I'm going to start off with an HBO Go show that was just made available for free. Um, so it seems like it's a timely thing to talk about. And it's uh, the docuseries called McMillions. Uh, this is a six-part documentary series um, that basically analyzes um, the, the Monopoly game for uh, McDonald's. Everyone knows it. Basically, between 1989 and 2001, there was not a single legitimate winner of the Monopoly game when it came to the big prizes, the million dollars, the car, it was all rigged. Um, through this guy, Jerry Jacobson, rigged the entire thing. So the six-part docuseries is about him doing that, the FBI investigation, and the people that were involved in the plot. And that's really where this documentary shines, is the access that the filmmakers were able to get. Um, uh, James, uh, James Lee... Brian Lazarte, these are the people who made the, the documentary. They got access to basically everyone who took part in this scheme, except for the, the main head honcho because, uh, well, he didn't want to participate in the documentary. But almost everyone else who participated, the winners, in quotation marks, uh, the FBI agents who investigated are in this. And sort of like Tiger King, it's just one of those stories that you would just not believe unless you saw it. Um, and the fact that the McDonald's Monopoly game was an essential, you talk about nostalgia, that was an essential part of growing up. You know, whenever Monopoly was at McDonald's, everyone was playing that shit, you know, because it was fun. It was a classic game combined with America's favorite fat person restaurant. And what that's just like gold. And you know what else is gold? This documentary, because it's well done. The access is great. And it's an interesting story. Uh, and it's available for free right now on HBO Go. So I think everyone should check it out. Uh, it's called McMillions. So the people who ran the scam, how did they benefit from running this scam? Well, they made money. They would sell the tickets to people for large sum amounts. So okay. they would get millions. And then the people who won the money would give them some of the money. Okay, gotcha. It was a gotcha. complete scam. 
Between 1989 and 2001, not a single legitimate winner for the HBO game or HBO, the Monopoly game on McDonald's. Um, It's just a fascinating documentary. And I think, like I said, it's, 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 it's sort of like Tiger King or making a murder in the way that it's sort of like this, this story that is almost, you know, too crazy to, to, that, to seem that it would be true, but it is 100% true. So, um, and you know, the fact that it's now like in the past, you know, means that the prosecutors, the detectives, they can all speak more openly about it because it's not really, uh, you know, it's not a secret anymore, but it is one of those things that were a secret to a lot of people because they didn't realize it was happening. So it's one of those things yeah. that shine a light on something. McMillions, it's super interesting. It's available for free right now on HBO Go. So, so now I I know, nobody could get Boardwalk, and it was all rigged. <laughs> you, <laughs> you get. I think it was. I think it was Park Place. You'd get. You would either get Park Place, like easy. You need the two of them to get a million. Park Place and Boardwalk, and you'd get one like all the time, and you'd get yeah. all, you'd have hope. And then the other one, nobody ever got. Yeah, I got a lot of free double cheeseburgers, but that was Which about is it. cool, but yeah. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> um, all right, well, you know, I, I've, um, so one of my, so one, one streaming suggestion I've got um, just has exploded on Netflix and it's it's been in the top five of that trending list. And it's so unusual to me, just given the film uh, for several reasons that it's become one of the most popular movies on Netflix right now. A 2019 film called The Platform. It's a Spanish film. Uh, El Hoyo, The Hole, uh, is what it's actually called. It's a science fiction horror thriller. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the director's name. Um, but basically, the film, and I'm reading off Wikipedia here, is set in a large tower-style facility, which is believed to be a jail or a prison, where the residents, who are periodically switched at random between different floors, are fed by the means of a platform, which initially at the top of the of this hole is filled with food. It gradually descends through the levels of the tower. Um, and eventually when it gets to the bottom, there's nothing left. Um, I was so surprised that this movie w- became so popular on Netflix because, uh, number one, it's a Spanish film. Um, and, you know, I mean, look, a lot of film watchers are lazy. They don't want to watch, watch something with subtitles. Um, and also because it's just kind of this obscure science fiction horror film. Um, before I kind of dive into it real quick, um, you have the option here on Netflix to watch this, um, either with English subtitles and in the Spanish language, or you can watch it in the English language, um, where the words don't match up to their lips. I can't stand doing that. What about you? Do you prefer to always go with the subtitles? Uh, yeah, I go with the subtitles and watch it in the natu- uh, natural language. I did that with a, yeah. a show on Netflix. It was called Dark. It was in German. Um, and I watched the entire show yeah. in German with subtitles. I, I can't handle the, you know, the dub. It just it comes off as so corny. And in my opinion, it ruins the show. Yeah, right on. So I, I'm the same. So I watched it, you know, with Span- in Spanish with the subtitles. Uh, definitely it's not-, not that hard. It's not that hard, people. Your brain will figure out how to uh, watch and read at the same time. Agreed, 100%. Um, But yeah, this not a feel-good flick, not by any means, uh, as you could have gathered uh, from the plot. Not a good... So this is really... It's a graphic film. I I do need to lay that out there. Uh, Not a good movie for people to watch while eating dinner. Not a good movie for people with queasy stomachs. There's 
a lot of cannibalism in it out of the necessity of the characters and the plot. It's, it's very dark and grim. So just want to kind of get that out there, but you know, one of my favorite films, um, kind of one of my favorite, uh, cult classic movies is cube 1997 science fiction thriller. Um, and there were some similarities here. It reminded me of cube kind of right away, the kind of claustrophobic nature of it. Um, the scenario or the circumstances or life outside of the whole, uh, as this is called, outside of the prison, is really unknown for the most part. And that's kind of the exact, you know, Cube, it was the exact same until they botched it in sequ- you know, sequels. Um, but what, what's most interesting here is the fascinating look at the distribution of wealth. So you literally have this platform that has food on it and it goes down, down, down. And there are, without spoiling it, there are hundreds of, of, of prison cells, essentially. And um, it presents kind of the symbolic message of d- distribution of wealth in, in the quite l- most literal way possible. Those at the very top, when, they, when they, they're in a, at a certain level for a month, when they wake up at zero, they've got the entire plate of delicacies, every food they can have. You know, they can eat whatever they want. Those in the middle, they're getting leftovers, but at least they're getting fed. And then those at the very bottom, there's nothing. The food's gone and, you know, uh, they're left to starve. And and it explores a lot of themes surrounding how to break that system. The, The system that many in our country would say is flawed when it comes to the distribution of wealth, depending on who you'd ask about their political views. Um, but it also not only does it kind of look at the ways to break that system, but also looks at the challenges that come with trying um, to do so. So, for example, um, a little bit of a spoiler here. Um, one of the main characters, he decides, well, and he's, to- he's towards the top at this point in the film. He's, he decides, you know, my, my cellmate and I, we're going to go down on this platform with all this food and we're going to, dis- you know, we're going to distribute it rationally. And we're going to try to see if everybody can get food, but they encounter a ton of problems along the way. So it's so interesting. It was such a literal representation of um, kind of the issues that we face when it comes to money in the United States. The ending is a bit ambiguous. It's a bit unknown, open-ended. Um, but I think there's some really interesting messages here. Um and if you can stomach some more graphic, uh, you know, visuals, I think it's worth a watch. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've seen this on my, uh, queue before I've seen it, you know, advertised, haven't got to watch yet, but definitely interested. Uh, my, my next streaming suggestion is from Amazon prime and it's called the grand tour. And it's a, um, it's a British television series starring Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May. Um, and it, it's real. It's a reality TV. Um, and these three guys are well known in Britain and Europe um, for the guys who started in the BBC series Top Gear. Um, so it's, it's all about cars. And <laughs> I am not someone who's a motorhead. I'm not really that into cars. I'm not really that into racing. But this show was recommended to me um, by a family member. So I decided to check it out. And it's fantastic. These three guys are quintessentially British. They have fantastic accents. Um, So maybe that's part of what adds to it. But they have great chemistry and great comedic timing. So the way the show works is called The Grand Tour. These guys um, basically all roll around the world with this portable tent. And they, they do a show in front of live studio audiences. But then throughout the show, they cut to pre filmed 
uh, just like shorts and they do funny stuff with cars. They do car reviews. They do races. They complain about complain and compare which cars are better. Um, and they just do funny stuff. They do funny outlandish stuff and they're really funny guys. Um, so the grand tour it's on Amazon prime. I think there's like three or four seasons now. Uh, I'm almost done with season one. Um, but these guys had the show top gear forever, uh, on, on the BBC and, uh, they left hmm. and Amazon prime picked this up and it's just globe trotting. These guys are so knowledgeable about cars. You'll get the motorheads will love it because it's, you know, it, the muscle cars show up and they're racing and their speed, but there's enough stuff here where even if you're a casual fan of cars or just comedy in general, I still think you'll enjoy it. So it's not a show that you have to watch. Um, like if you're not even interested in cars, I think you'll still enjoy it. So it has a wide appeal to it. And that's why I think people enjoy it. And it's feel good, easy to watch. Uh, so check it out. It's called The Grand Tour on Amazon Prime. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I have not heard of it, but um, yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like something to check out. Um, all right. So um, I had a few more popular shows that I considered suggesting, but I thought, you know what? That's not really the point. Um, so a movie or a movie, a series that uh, my wife and I watched before coronavirus and before the, you know, this hit, uh, we kind of binged it a couple uh, months ago is a, uh, is a Netflix show called living with yourself. And it's uh, an original series starring Paul Rudd. I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but um, so the the general story here, it's pretty basic. Is um, it follows Paul Rudd, who um, he's 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 unhappy uh, with his life. He's unhappy in his marriage. He's unhappy with his job. He's unhappy with all of his circumstances. Um, so he undergoes a mysterious treatment, uh, as it's called, that promises him, you know, a better life. Um, and as it turns out, um, that treatment is actually killing the person and then creating a clone, um, a better version of themselves. And um, the thing is, Paul Rudd actually survives. He wakes up in the woods after being buried and um, so there's there's two Paul Rudds. You've got you've got depressed old version Paul Rudd, and you've got um, this uh, new and improved version of Paul Rudd. And it's 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 you know it's nothing too deep, nothing that's going to um, blow your mind. But I'm a big Paul Rudd fan. I, I I've I've liked everything he's done. I think he's he's just a um, a good actor and a fun actor more than anything else. And it's just kind of fun to see how this plays out. Um, to see the situations that um, the you know he and his himself are put in um, when it comes to job, when it comes to wife, when it comes to everything, and um, there's some fun little appearances along the way. Um, there's an appearance of Tom, Tom Brady makes an appearance in this in this series, and um, we cranked it out. I mean, there's only eight episodes, and we cranked it out in just a few days, and it's it's one of those easy, quick watches. And, you know, we enjoyed it. Nothing crazy, but I thought it was fun. For sure. Sounds like something I got to check out. I haven't heard yeah. of that. I love the quick, easy shows um, that you can just bust out. So we'll do one more each year because we're closing in on an hour. Um, I'm just going to quickly recommend three movies that are on Netflix. Um, and, and and I think we've talked about them all before. Um, but there are three movies that premiered on Netflix. The first is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I think we talked about, Evan, maybe you and me mm -hmm. talked about this a long time ago. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's an anthology movie that consists of six short stories all set in the Old West. You get all the classic Western tropes, uh, you know, uh, cowboys and and Indians. Uh, You get prospectors. You get wagon trains. You get old traveling shows. Um, So, (coughs) excuse me. I'm on the death's door here. Um, last podcast ever today. Um, so, but it, it's it's great. It's it's a fun movie. It's it's well written. It's quirky. That's the Battle of Buster Scruggs. And then two movies that me and Mike recently talked about. Both were nominated uh, for several Academy Awards this year. Marriage Story, uh, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Um, we just recorded a, a, a full length pod talking about this, but fantastic performances. A great look at divorce. I think that it's a um, a good movie to show maybe older kids that are going through a divorce or have dealt with divorce. Um, so you know, Evan, I know, I know you're, you know, you you. This is something you know about. So I don't know if you've seen Marriage Story, but I think it's something you could really uh, yeah, get into. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think I think it's something you would be able to relate to really well. Um, and then the Two Popes is the other one that's also on Netflix, um, starring uh, Anthony Hopkins and. Um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Jonathan Price, two fantastic performances. Uh, the way they sort of trade verbal jabs and have very different outlooks on how the Catholic Church should proceed. Um, and they were able to come together in the end. Uh, like I said, me and Mike just reviewed the two popes and Marriage Story. Um, so check that mm-hmm. out in our thread. Um, for for longer reviews, but just three movies that are right there at your fingertips on Netflix that are really well done. Um really well acted and really well written that I think people should see. So um, quick reaction, Evan, and then give us one more. Yeah. I I really want to see marriage story. Um, I'll get on my soapbox real quick. Obviously being the, the, the child of a divorced uh, family, you know, I think that it's so important for, for, for husband and wife to put, you know, to put time and energy into each other. Uh, You see so often in America, especially in America where, um, when either the kids grow up or even when the kids leave, you know, you have a husband and wife who are left wondering what the hell are we doing now? You know, our kids are gone. We've got nothing left to be together for. So I'm sure it touches on those kinds of themes. And yeah, that's been on my list. It gives, it gives, it, it really gets into the minutia and the difficulty and the bullshit you have to go through when you're going mm-hmm. through a divorce, even when it's us two spouses that still want to do it as easy and as respectful as possible it sort of shows how the system fails couples like that anyways. It's sort of set up with them at odds with each other. So um, it's a really interesting movie. All three of them are very well done and deal with subject matter that I never thought I would be interested in that I actually ended up being very interested in. Um, So check out those movies, but give us one more, Evan. Yeah. So this one's going to (laughs) be, you're going to shake your head, but this was originally an ABC show. And now apparently they're coming out with new episodes on Netflix this summer. It's designated survivor. Uh, my wife and I just started watching this um, the last Where couple of weeks. So it's on Netflix. Um, okay. It's on Netflix now. And like I said, it, it was originally an ABC show. It looks like there's a new new episodes coming out in June on Netflix. I don't know if Net- – I'm not sure if Netflix has picked it up to continue it or what the deal is. But uh, this was originally – yeah, so I, so it's on Netflix now. You can watch all of the, all of the seasons that are released on Netflix. Um, and – this is, you know, I think the one complaint I would say about this show. Um, well, first off, if you don't know anything about it, um, it's it, it stars uh, Kiefer Sutherland. He's Tom Kirkman, and he's a low-level cabinet member. He's the uh, director of housing and urban development. 
um, for the president. Um, he takes over as president of the United States after a. Isn't that, isn't that Ben Carson's job right now? <laughs> yes, actually, it is. Um, yeah. It is. So, um, you know, God willing, nothing like that would happen in real life. But in, in this film, um, you know, he, he takes over uh, after a catastrophic attack that kills almost every member of Congress, uh, the president, vice president, uh, all of the, the representatives in the House of Representatives, all the Senate members. Um, so he takes over. And um, it's a really kind of um, interesting look in into um, the White House and to uh, presidential issues and, and, and what it would be like for someone who doesn't know anything about politics or really doesn't know anything about, you know, the presidency to take over. Um, and, and alongside that main storyline with Tom Kirkman, um, there's also a couple of um, FBI agents um, who are uh, investigating the the bombing at the Capitol. That's kind of the side story. And that's a really cool, interesting mystery. Um, I've really liked this show. We're almost done with the first season now. And it's been really, really good, really interesting. I think the one criticism, um, and this tends to happen as we've talked about this, this tends to happen with um, net, really popular um, widely watched network shows is it's very neatly um, kind of packaged and um, it's it's very kind of appropriate and kind of stays within its lane. There's not anything too graphic. There's not any curse words. There's not anything maybe that you actually would see in reality. Um, it kind of stays has to stay within that PG thirteen lane because it's, it was a network show. Um, and there's also I have a couple issues with just kind of kind of plot conveniences, you know, things that you're, you're wondering why did that character do that? And it was strictly for the sake of either moving the plot forward or allowing something to happen. But all in all, I've really, really enjoyed it. It has the mystery and the political interest. And I really like both political stories and mysteries as well. And this has both. Okay. There you go. Designated survivor. Yeah. It looks like uh, Netflix picked it up for a third season. Um, that has not been well received and Netflix canceled it in July, 2019. So sounds like Netflix might've screwed up this show, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, but I'm Mm, glad you're enjoying season one. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, it's got a 7.6 on, on IMDb. I know that the first, at least the first season was, was well received. So maybe. Yeah. It looks like screwed the pooch. Looks like a rare miss for Netflix. Usually when they mm. pick things up, it gets better. But, uh, mm. well, whatever. You know, if, if the first season's good, then that's enough. You know, one good season of television doesn't mean sure. it's, you know, not not worth watching. So, anyways, those are our streaming suggestions. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot out there, a lot more that I love we could talk about. But uh, McMillions on HBO, uh, Grand Tour on Amazon Prime, and then three Netflix movies, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, The Two Popes, and Marriage Story. Uh, Evan, what did you have again? Yeah, so I have the uh, Spanish uh, science fiction horror film The Platform on Netflix, um, Designated Survivor, which is on Netflix, and then also uh, Living With Yourself, which is all of them on Netflix. So there you go. Maybe some shows that uh, you haven't heard of or maybe some things you haven't had a chance to get to. I know I've been spending a lot of this quarantine catching up on a ton of shows that I either uh, stopped halfway through or I'm just trying to get through. Um, But there's a lot of stuff out there. Fortunately, we live in a day and age now where we don't have to rely just on the theater um, to have new stuff to watch. But anyways, we're running long here. So uh, that's going to be it for the show today. Please check out the Facebook page on Second Day Film Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Second Day Film. Our old episodes, as I said, are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. 
Evan, nice job. Long-awaited return. You've made it. I'm glad we figured out how to do this now. Yeah, man. I hope uh, that this can pave the way for some more appearances. We should definitely get all three of us on soon. For sure. And hopefully, you know, we can all keep grinding through this uh, coronavirus issue. Looks like we got a couple more months at least ahead of us, but we'll try and think of some good topics to maybe delve back into the, we've kind of been neglecting uh, looking back at old films in recent, recent months on the podcast. So maybe this is an opportunity for us to bring back some of those old segments uh, we kind of started with, but we'll get Mike back on here. We'll get Evan back on, um, get, get back to the old three man pods. Maybe we can even get the popcorn correspondent back on. Who knows? That'd be a treat for the listeners. (laughs) That'd be fantastic. (laughs) We can talk about Waterboy. Yes, yes. Adam Sandler's filmography. We'll go through it one by one. (laughs) Anyways, Evan, appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Stay safe out there. Listen to the guidelines. Wash your hands. Social distance. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies.